Do you ever wonder if there's a way to make work better? Then this podcast is for you. I'm your host, Sharon Tiger, and I'm going to have real conversations. On the Rally Bright Real Talk podcast, I'm going to talk with real leaders around the world who'll share their real life examples and experiences building resilient teams. So if you're ready to make work better for everyone, keep listening. You'll find out everything you need to know. Hi, Megan. Welcome to Real Talk with Rally Bright. Hi, Sharon. Great to see you. Thanks for having me. It's so nice to see you again. Um, I'm really excited to talk to you about team dynamics and psychological safety. I've known you for a number of years, and I've always thought you were an outstanding leader. And I love the way that you bring people together. So it's going to be great to be able to share some of your expertise and knowledge with our audience. Oh, thank you. You're the expert at bringing people together. So it's a compliment if you think I do that well, too. So thank you. (laughs) Tell me more. (laughs) So maybe we could start with your, you are at AGA. Can you tell us what AGA stands for and a little bit about what you do and your team? Sure. AGA probably stands for a lot of things, but in my case, it stands for the American Gas Association. So we're a trade association for the natural gas utilities in the United States. So in general, I work in the energy industry and I love it. We're a small-ish organization. We have fewer than 100 employees with more than 200 members around the country. So we always talk about punching above our weight. It's fun working in energy. It's stressful working in energy, but getting to know people who have spent their careers and sometimes multi-generational folks working in energy is just really inspiring. So we do lots of great things. My job specifically is to take care of our ex- you know, internal existing employees, of which I said we have under 100. We also have 150 retirees who from years gone by had these really spectacular retirement packages that most of us could only, you know, dream about these days. So we administer those. And then I think the most interesting part of my job is that I get to work with our members who are human resources professionals. And I meet with them virtually on a regular basis. And we talk about labor, employment, workforce issues troubling our industry. And the best thing about that, going back to your introduction, is when a member calls and says they're struggling with something, and I know that there was a member who was just successful at doing that thing and putting them together and helping them figure it out. One of the most interesting things to me is that our members in general are not competitors with one another. So there's a really strong collaborative nature and they want to help each other out. And I just think it's just fantastic to be a part of that. It's thrilling. Oh, I love it. <laughs> that sounds that's right up my alley, the idea of knowing how do you can connect people and, and help yeah. them help each other. So Megan, knowing you, I've heard you say that in the past, I've heard you say that any team can be dynamic with open communication. What does that look like for you and your team? I believe that. I think that it in order for that to be true, we as managers, leaders need to take on that responsibility and need to understand that we have committed to having a successful team and doing whatever we need to do to to make it that way. I've got a team right now really interesting. I've got one one of my staff has been at the organization for nearly 30 years in very much the same job. And I've got another direct report who's been here for about 18 months and is completely new. So one is all over technology and loves efficiencies and and getting things done in the most efficient way possible. And the other grew up learning how to do everything on paper with a pencil and a calculator and finding a way to make our team dynamic and productive and proactive more than reactive with those two strengths has been 
I don't know. It's been a challenge, but I will say for us, one of the best outcomes has been learning so much about the person who does things on paper, taking her time, how detail-oriented she is, how much focus she has to give to her job. Reminds those of us who are efficiency nuts that we do need to slow down and that there are certain things where a workaround isn't going to work and you need to really take your time and, and get it done the right way. So I guess the short answer could be synthesizing the strengths of the people on your team and really talking through the challenges that you might think are barriers or roadblocks to getting things done, because I'm not sure that they really are roadblocks. They could be impediments, but you can work them out because we talk through it and we we figure it out. Sometimes if I ask the direct report who spends a lot of time on paper asking her what her process is, which I don't do enough, and I hear about it, I can offer some suggestions to improve the efficiencies there. At the same time, I send her things to review before I send them out to all staff because I know she'll look at it with a magnifying glass and a fine tooth comb or whatever we use to make sure we're doing it correctly. So I think playing to people's strengths is important and talking things out is important and not just assume that she's not as capable as my other direct report because of the way she works. Knowing that technology and moving quickly is really what's demanded of us mostly. I think that's I think, first of all, I think it's great to have such an optimistic outlook and attitude to be able to say challenges or impediments. Really, there's it's about perception, right? They might feel like big challenges or impediments to you or another teammate, but when you begin talking and leveraging the team's strengths, that collaboration can sometimes say cause you to question, is it really that big of a challenge? Or, Or look, we found a solution together. So that's really interesting. Another thing you brought up, Megan, that just spurred another question for me is I think that oftentimes leaders don't necessarily get to handpick or build their teams themselves, rather they inherit them. And so knowing you have these different types of players, it can sometimes feel a little overwhelming. What's, or at least overwhelming on how you're going to leverage those strengths or, and collaborate as a team. So what's most important, do you think, to understand in the beginning? And what are some of the first things that you worked on together to help build the dynamic that you've described, how you're leveraging your the different strengths of the team? What's one of the first things that you do or talk about? I have to think about how to answer that. For me, that goes back a little bit. We've come a long way since that was my, my, my first day. But I will say the employee I mentioned who has been with us for a long time has decided to retire. And so I am getting to find her successor. And so I will have a handpicked team. But even then, an interview only gets you so far. A resume only gets you so far. References only get you so far. So I think I know what I'm getting in my new hire, but I really won't know until we really need to start producing. So I think I would say that when I was new coming into this role, there were just the two of us, myself and this person who I'm I'm mentioning is retiring now, who's been here for a long time. And she was just incredibly warm and welcoming and knew from the beginning that I, (laughs) I think I made it pretty clear by my reactions to certain things that I was going to change things. And I think that that excited her and made her feel comfortable and safe to say to me, we've always done it this way, even though I know that's not what you want to hear. What are ways we can do it differently? Or what are your expectations of me? Now, I got lucky because she asked me those questions. Those are the questions you want to hear from your employees, right? You want them to come to you and say, what can I do differently? And instead, as leaders, we're often having to go to them to try to get them to think differently and encourage them to accept change or accept some feedback or accept some criticism. Again, I feel that one of my biggest strengths is communicating with people and building relationships. And if something doesn't work the first time I try it, I'm not going to give up and I'll I'll keep coming at it from different directions. So I know that's a general answer, but I, I think that's been the secret to my success with this particular employee. Yeah, no, I think that's great. I like that you took us back to the beginning. 
So another thing that we've talked about in the past that I, I love when you walk me through it is job re-engineering. And so how you may help individuals feel a sense of purpose and accountability on the team. Can you talk to me about talk to me about your experience with job re-engineering. And is that your term or is that like a legit HR term? I'm gonna say it must be a legit HR term because I'm not sure that I would have come up with something so good, but it, it's a good word. It's a, you can re-engineer anything, or you could think about re-engineering anything. I guess there are some things that can't really be re-engineered, but I have a good example, a recent example. We are just coming back to the office with some frequency following the pandemic scare and all of us having to work remotely. So I've seen a couple of folks for the first time in a long time. And maybe I've seen them on Teams or had a phone call with them, but not had them drop by my office to just chit chat and catch up. And so those are the kinds of conversations I mean. But one of our employees came back and I would say this employee is a very junior staffer, probably an administrative role, has been here for a few years. And she told me that she had an epiphany during the pandemic where she was really hanging her hopes on her manager being her mentor and that her mentor was going to train her and prepare her for whatever came next at AGA, whatever the next level role for her might be. And during the pandemic, she felt a little disappointed because she didn't see that happening. And she spent time trying to figure it out and realized that she needed to take control of things herself. And so she wanted to talk to me about what she could do to not only open herself up to new opportunities, but make sure that people knew about her and that she was open. And how could she not just market her skills? Anyway, thinking about re-engineering her career at AG, her point was she wanted to stay here. She liked where she works. She likes working with all of us. She just wants more. And so we were talking about ways she could start with her current role to elevate her profile and to perhaps be more successful in certain areas where she wasn't being successful before. So I'm not sure that's a strict definition of re-engineering, but I think it's a good place to start. I would also say, I'm sure you've got other questions and I'll leave this topic in a moment, but with the advent of my direct report retiring and this new hire coming on board, it's all about re-engineering. And the only way that I really knew how to get this started is that I basically started doing all the work that this person has been doing who's going to retire so I can see it from her point of view. There wasn't time for her to train the new person. And I also didn't want us to just do it the way we did it and keep doing it that way for the next decade. That made no sense to me. So it's now coming back to me and I'm finding a lot of ways to re-engineer our processes and realizing that in the four or five years I've worked with her, I'm ashamed of myself for not having asked some of these questions before. I feel like I have missed opportunities that if I had helped her build in some of these efficiencies, we could have been doing more things. But anyway, learning from all of that and it's a great process. I think we all get those insights from experience. You walk through it and then you realize uh, there's always the, I wish I had done this before, but the good part about it is recognizing it and then finding a path forward. What I love about what you just shared is the empathy piece. When you can step into someone's shoes and and take on some of the job role and responsibilities, you really begin to understand why they're asking for the things they're asking for, why it's important to them, why it's important to the process. And, and I do think it helps to create that accountability amongst the team because you begin to understand, no, so this person really needs this or the whole, the team's efforts and the outcome for the team are going to suffer. So we, we, th- there's a reason for this. So when you can do that job re-engineering or cross functions, people take on different responsibilities just to understand them better, it can't hurt. That's right. Now, another thing that you say that I love is the right now approach. And mm-hmm. I'd love for you to tell us a little bit more about that and how that played into something you've already touched on, which is coming through the pandemic and bringing people back into the office, how the right now approach was 
important? Gosh, I want to say not only is it important, but it's my new way of thinking. I think a lot of us solve problems and we think we're done. Somebody, somebody brings the situation happened. This happened. This is the outcome. It wasn't the outcome we wanted. So you got to fix the problem, but then you got to go back and figure out how did it go wrong and you know, make sure you're not doing it that way again. In this case, I'm going to use the pandemic again. And people are probably so sick of talking and hearing about it. But we, all of us who are in leadership of organizations went through this process where we're going to have these new rules. And as a human being, you want to know what are the rules? How does it apply to me? And if there are going to be any changes. So as a human being hearing that we're going to do this right now, as opposed to hearing this is the new policy is very difficult. People want a policy. They want a reference. They want something they can check back on and make sure that they're doing it the right way. Knowing that the thing that we're doing is temporary in some way is very upsetting to people. And this was made very clear to us when we started to say things like, we're going to have a phased approach to, and in this case, I'm going to say returning to the office. And phase one had all these things. We had all these protections against COVID. We had you know, masks. We had whatever, uh, social distancing we had, we're in Washington, D.C. And so there were these capacity limits. And so we couldn't have more than a certain number of people within a certain square footage at any given time. So we were trying to build all those blocks to put something together for our employees. And then, you know, we don't go back because things aren't better the way we thought they were going to be. So we're stopping and starting and stopping and starting. And each time we restart, we do things a little bit differently. This is our new right now approach based on the new information that we have. And even though everybody's living in the same world, everybody's seeing the same changes in the CDC guidelines and seeing the same, seeing the same headlines, they still want policy and we can't give it. And so we just dug our heels in and we've done this right now approach. And this is what we're doing right now because it makes sense to us right now. And the best part about this is, and the best part that I think applies to any other situation, not just COVID and this pandemic is you learn from the situation that you're in right now. We made these decisions right now. We know why we made those decisions and let's learn from them. So that when we get to our next right now, we do it better. So Having to explain that to employees and other stakeholders has been a bit of a challenge, but eventually people come around. Still, we're nearing the end of the year and people want to know, what are we going to work two days in the week, two days a week in the office next year? Are we going to work three? What's next year? And they, so they haven't learned. They're still conditioned to expect a policy. And we're saying right now, we're not planning to make any changes to our schedule. So. It's funny. So many things about what you shared resonate with me because I'm an ENTP and I don't like structure. As soon as you start putting rules and structure around me, I'm like, no, I don't think so. <laughs> but I know I'm an anomaly, a little bit different. And I understand that other people need may need that. But also the right now approach really resonates because something my mom taught me when I used to be uh, a major, just such a worrier as a kid. And even my mother-in-law at one time said to me, Sharon, you're going to worry your life away. And what Helped me make a pivot away from that was my mom sharing that no decision is final. There's always one door closes, another one opens. Once you make one decision, there's more decisions to make. You never stop making decisions. And you can always, it's not like this, you're dropping off a cliff when you make a decision. So much of what you shared resonates. What advice, you've got a ton of experience in human resources and working with people and teams. I'm wondering what advice you might have for a leader on a way to improve team performance or to get the most from your team because i think a lot of i think a lot of leaders i don't know if struggle is the right word but i think a lot of leaders can pick up on an undertone or some kind of current that they're not that the team isn't performing at their maximum level there's something going on undermining maybe their efficiency or their ability to 
drive forward and it's subtle and it's not always in your face, but they want to know how do we, where do we pivot? What do we do to try to bring the best out in our people and to leverage their strengths? Do you have any advice around that? I I think so. I hope so. I would say that there's a lot. I'm trying to organize my thoughts. Ask questions. Simply delegating or telling your team what you're going to do, when you're going to do it, or when it's due, or who wants it, or just telling them the outcome isn't going to get you what you need. I'm not talking about micromanaging. I'm not telling them, telling you to tell your team not only what the outcome is, but here's how we're going to get there. The point is you tell them the outcome or what you think is expected of you, and then you work backwards and you figure out who wants to contribute in what ways, what are some thoughts that they have about this project or how they can get it done. And I spend a lot of time telling my team, this is my plan. What would your plan look like? And it takes time because they're busy and you're asking them to check your work. But by doing that, they're engaged, they're buying in, and they've got a raised stake in the outcome. They're always going to have some kind of stake in the outcome. But now it's more about us as a team and less about me. What am I delivering? And that's really important to me. And I, there are lots of quippy things that are going through my mind that you want to surround yourself with people who are smarter than you. That's true. I don't love benefits administration. I don't love the detail orientation of reading plan documents or the really important things that can get me in a lot of trouble if I don't pay attention. (laughs) But I like to have people around me who do and who are really good at that. So I want to find somebody like that. I'm pretty good at technology, but like when it comes to, I won't name the name, but one of our a payroll provider with the first letter of the alphabet uh, in its name, figuring out how to run reports from that system is an Achilles heel for me. I can't get it done. But I have somebody on my team who does, and she's a master at it. So those are just some examples about ways to make sure they know that they're the top dog in this area. Make sure they know that you can't get your job done without the role they play. And then, like I said, just huddling everybody back and making sure that they've had some say in this this thing that you're going to do. And maybe it's not even a thing. Maybe it's, I want to change the perception of our team and our organization, or maybe we've got this pandemic happening and we need to do things differently. How do we talk about it? How do we make a soft place to land for employees who are upset or stressed out or, you know, anyway. It all goes back again to communication, asking questions and spending the time uh, and not just sending them a to-do list. That is so awesome in so many ways. So nice. Uh, No, it's great. No, it's really great because you think about how important it is for people to feel heard and to feel that they have input and a sense of belonging and they have- And value, right? You want to make sure that they know that you value their contributions. I love it. I love it. I want you to say it again. Say it louder. (laughs) I think it's great. This has um, been so much fun talking with you, Megan. But one of the things that I do at the end, I, I say it's been so much fun, but you might not think it's fun anymore. At the end of uh, these discussions, I like to do rapid fire questions with our guests. And I'm wondering if you're game for that. Sure. Go for it. Okay. What would be one word that you would use to describe leadership? Empathy. Empathetic. Something having to do with empathy. Oh, I love that. I'm, I'm. Yes, I love that. Okay, good. So what about one thing the future of leadership needs? I can't use the same word again, but I think that holds true. I think the future of leadership really, we we do need to be empathetic. Gosh, our world is not getting healthier. Things aren't getting clearer. People aren't getting calmer. So the opposite of that is it's getting worse. And as a leader, if you want to be successful and not lose your own mind, because we are human beings ourselves with families and responsibilities, maybe flexibility, I'll say. Or maybe how about this? Disruption or think differently. 
That's not one word, but that all works. But if you wanted to roll with empathy, I'll remind you, there are no rules with an ENTP. Okay. So you can use empathy again if you want, okay. but all of those are great. Okay. How about, this is fun because I don't know a lot about like your, the music genres and things that you like. So this is a fun question. Okay. What's one song that describes your leadership style? Oh, you know what, Sharon? I spend my time listening to audiobooks and not so much to music. So that's a hard one for me. I'm going to just say one of those great old country love song stories where you it starts out great and it gets rocky in the middle, but it gets happy at the end. It's Any not, one of those songs. It's not all my exes live in Texas. Good. Well, I can get with the country. One word that describes your team. Oh, happy. Isn't that wonderful? If you can feel it happy is. going to work and yes. enjoying the people you work with, that is huge. Especially now with, I don't want to bring up this, the dirty word, the great resignation, but it's really important that the employee experience is a good one, especially with your immediate team. This one you're going to get easy since I now know that you listen to audiobooks, but this is the last of the rapid fire questions. And okay. it's the one book every leader should read. Gosh, there are so many. I think it really depends on what you're trying to solve. I liked Good to Great. I keep that on my bookshelf and I have lots of sticky notes, partly because I really like the writing style and a lot of the notions resonate with me. So that was an easy one for me to interpret. This is an older book, but there was a book called Work Rules that came out, I think, from the person who worked at was it Zappos or not Zappos, maybe Google. I don't remember, but somebody from one of the Silicon Valley companies wrote a book about work rules that I thought was really interesting. Sometimes I think, this is not rapid fire answer, but sometimes I think if we as leaders can read, study, talk to, listen to leaders from industries that are what we might think of as opposite of ours, is really helpful for innovation and really helpful for us to think about things differently. Because I work in a trade association for a, a, that's 100 years old, and I don't even know how long natural gas has been around. I should know the answer to that. But we do things a certain kind of way. And so thinking about a startup in California and how they run things, or Elon Musk, for example, it's fun to read him talk about management just because it's so different from what we practice here. But it's so helpful to help me think through strategies or come up with options. And I would say this, if there's nothing else that anybody takes away from anything, I think providing employees and folks you lead with options is ultimately the very best strategy to lead a successful team. There's not just one way to get things done. That is so great. And now I, I better understand. I've always admired the way you've, I consider you a change maker. I've always mm -hmm. admired how you can come into a situation and look for new and improved and better ways. And I've seen you do it time and time again, where you can come in, see a problem, and just to use the word re-engineer again. And so now I'm understanding a little bit more about your inspiration. And so knowing that you can take, that you can look at people outside of your immediate circle or even your immediate industry, look at what they're doing and find ways to apply it to what, to what you're doing. I love that. That's fun to me. So it's Wonderful. fun to meet you. Awesome. Megan, thank you so much for sharing your insights on team dynamics. And uh, I'm looking forward to doing this again sometime. Oh, I hope we do. I really enjoyed it. It's so good to talk to you. And thank you. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Megan. If there were a way to know about problems or challenges on your team before they affected your bottom line, you'd want to know about it, right? The Rally Bright platform helps make work better for everyone by helping managers to become better leaders and build better teams, which delivers better results. Want to know more? You can. Go to rallybright.com 
Follow us on social and be sure to like, comment, rate, and review our podcast. <laughs>